first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Tiana from Delaware. Today, we will be talking with media consultant Mariana Diaz. Vianchek. We will also be talking with Goran Visnik and Stephanie Gill from Fatima and director Kim A. Snyder. First, we will be listening to Zoe's interview with media consultant Mariana Diaz Vianchek. Hi, I'm Zoe Canella reporting for Kids First, and today I have the pleasure of talking with Mariana Diaz Vianchek. She is a multiculturalist media consultant, researcher, and academic. As children's media consultant, Dr. Diaz collaborates with partners to develop content that is developmentally educational and culturally sound. Her clients include Nickelodeon, Nick Jr., Noggin, Sesame Street, Fred Rogers Production, PBS, Nine Story, HITN, Univision, and many more. I'm well, thank you, Zoe. Thank you for having me. Dr. Diaz, you have a PhD in psychology and work in NYU's psychology department. Can you tell us what drew you into children's television and what aspect of the human condition interests you the most? Good question. So I was always interested in human behavior, as you uh, pointed out. And once I got my bachelor's degree, I was uh, interested in pursuing more uh, knowledge and experience in this. And then once I got my doctorate, uh, I was got into children's media really soon after that. And it was just very incredible to see the effect that media has in children's lives. So I became very motivated to contribute to that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and you've also partnered with Nickelodeon. I actually grew up watching Nickelodeon and PBS Kids. Um, uni vision and so much more too so can you tell us how to promote diversity and latino culture in children's programming sure so um i actually my first job in children's media was in nickelodeon with dora the dora the explorer production that i'm sure you're familiar with Definitely. and that was pretty much what awakened my passion for children's media so i was lucky to and to land in a production that's um, multicultural and very diverse and um, so I, I believe that when we develop content we have to continue giving children positive messages that are going to impact them so in the case of Latino children you want to make sure that you're representing them kids like yourself um, in the characters that we develop and in the stories that we tell so that's my passion and that's what I've been pushing for uh, since I was at Nickelodeon, but now also as an advisor for other clients that develop content for kids. Yeah, it really shows in Dora, too. She's always um, talking to the kids, even though she can actually see them. Obviously, she's a fictional character, but I grew up basically watching Dora, and I can really see that. Um, yeah, and children like me are really exposed to a bunch of content today. We have television, YouTube, and just so all these channels. Um, how do kids go about identifying um, content that is beneficial to us and ways to be selective when watching TV and movies and all these things that we're exposed to? Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with the age of the child. So someone like yourself who's very well informed and exposed to a lot of different things. I'm sure you have your criteria for selecting content that's good. But I always invite the parents to be a part of that process of selecting content that's good and suitable for their children. And it has to do a lot with the family values and with what's important to the parents and that child. Uh, there's always a, a resource that I direct people to that's called Common Sense Media. And Common Sense Media, which is commonsensemedia.org, provides reviews from... Um, from a quality standard point of view. So they have multiple reviewers looking at this content that you mentioned, long format on TV, movies, books, and other media, and uh, giving advice and their opinion on what's most suitable and most educational and beneficial for kids. So I would typically just send people there, and in the context of Latino parents and kids and bilingual parents and kids, they also offer um, advice and recommendations on bilingual content and multicultural or right, cultural content. That's also important. 
Yeah, I agree with you. That's so interesting. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we're talking with media consultant Mariana Diaz-Rayonchek, Goran Visnik, and Stephanie Gill from Fatima, and director Kim A. Snyder. Right now, we're continuing listening to Zoe's interview with media consultant Mariana Diaz-Rayonchek. Yeah, of course, every parent is different, and they have their own rules for their children. Actually, my dad is um, American, and my mom is Venezolana. Um, and I feel like it's important to maintain my roots as a Latina um, by honoring both worlds. For kids, how do you think we can really preserve or our multicultural heritage when ve- developing content for young people? I, this is my favorite question. This is what you're asking me. It's actually my passion. Uh, I'm also a Latina. My kids are bicultural like yourself. And I think um, the experience of biculturalism starts at home. So I always encourage parents to speak their home language to their children and just be very uh, consistent with speaking to them in that language. But as they grow up, around the age of preschool, and they're going to be start, uh, start being exposed to all these media content that you mentioned, you want that content to also be reflective of both your language and your culture. So selecting um, stories and characters that speak to your bi- bicultural children is very important. And then just going back to characters like Dora or movies, movies like Coco, uh, just overall content that celebrates the Latino heritage in our case, but depending on the on the heritage of that family, and that's actually what I uh, what I do for a living. That's what I consult clients on doing: how to do that right, how to um, create characters that are authentic, that feel real to kids like you, and not just stereotypical uh, or even worse stereotypes that end up sort of hurting instead of helping kids. So that's my passion, actually. Yeah. Uh, I know whenever I go to school, not a lot of kids, well, not anyone really speaks Spanish. We're all speaking English. Spanish is mi primero lenguaje. But whenever I get home, my mom or my grandma is always talking to me in Spanish. And of course, I know Spanish, but I'm like, sí. No. Do I, I see that. Uh, I see that you're comfortable doing what's called code switching. So hablas en español, and then you can switch to English, and you yeah. can do it very comfortably. It's and just... I, go ahead. No, it's because whenever I'm at school, whenever I'm hanging out with a friend, it's rare that we ever speak in Spanish. Entonces, una vez se me olvida una palabra o algo cuando estoy hablando. Yeah, but it's it's totally fine. And what I one thing that has been coming up lately in my uh, working with people that develop content is exactly speaking the way that you're speaking now. So when you speak two languages and you're bilingual we bilingual people actually flow between the two languages that's called code switching and it's something very natural for us and it's the way that we speak and you will encounter this more and more so right now you go to school you speak english and you speak spanish at home but later on you will probably end up in a job that will uh, use both your languages and you will see that even in a professional environment you will transition between english and spanish and that's very real to people like you and to people like me and your mom. So then why not promote, um, you know, bilingualism in a way that flows very naturally? So that's another area of interest to me is to promote bilingualism in this way. Yeah, it's also cool because um, I have a lot of Latino friends as well. And I, my grandma loves to cook. She's always making pequeño, so algo rico um, in the kitchen. So I do think I'm very connected with my culture um, as well. And this time in history, I think it's more significant than any other um, in terms of addressing diversity. Do you think that as well? Yes, uh, there's two components. There's a, a more global component to what you're saying, which I think it's historical and the fact that what used to be called minorities now is not the case because the people of color are 50% of the people in this country. Latinos are uh, about, I think, 23, eight, between 18 and 23% in some states more than that. And by the year you know, 2050, as you might know, Latinos are going to be the biggest uh, population. So, um, so historically, it's important to represent these groups because of just the number of people that you would be representing in your media product. Now, specifically this year, um, we do have to highlight topics of race and justice. 
um, and kids need to be aware of these conversations and they need to be prepared to identify, recognize, celebrate, and respect differences. And it's a role and responsibility of media to address that and to provide this information to kids. And I have very important information there too. There was this big study and they did a study that found that parents think that race determines a lot of their children's identity, but they don't talk to children about race. And that's exactly the same case with teachers. So teachers also think it's important but they're also not, they don't think it's appropriate to talk to children about race or difference and or socioeconomic class and these difficult conversations that might happen later on. So it is a responsibility of the media to start this conversation with children because all these are important matters in our society and we can actually make a change as media creators to, uh, to inform and educate children with this, uh, in these topics. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I know so it in some cases, it technically could be a sensitive subject, but I love that you can really incorporate that into kids' media in a really friendly and open way. Um, and that's one of the things I love about what you do. And we've seen a lot of Latinos impact Hollywood and the entertainment community, like icons como Eugenio Derbez, so much more. There's Rita Moreno and Sal- Salma Hayek. Uh-huh. So many. There's much more than that, obviously. Yeah. Oh, Inesabella Marcel, I interviewed her twice, and Julia Garcia, she's amazing as well. What do you think these people bring to the entertainment community that is very unique? Well, first of all, they bring themselves. So before being anything else, we're all human. So these, uh, these are talented people that bring their talent forward, and then um, that's first. And then they're also representing a larger community. So not, not only they're representing their country of origin, but at large they're representing the Latino community. And what's important, which I referred to at the beginning, is that um, for children specifically, it is really, well, for everybody, but for children specifically, it's really important to see themselves reflected in the media. Um, the media is a mirror of society. So if you don't see yourself in that mirror, it's almost as if you don't exist. So basically, all these uh, people that you're mentioning and also the ones behind the camera are legitimizing the experience of all of us just by having us see ourselves in this media product. So that's a big, a big, uh, big thing, you know? We have our Latino power. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, yeah. Yeah, so finally, you started working in Nickelodeon in 2004. How has your work changed, and what do you see in children's programming going into the future? Yeah, I mean, for for me personally, when I started, I I had just obtained my title. So I was a little bit more cautious and maybe quiet on how to voice my own voice, uh, if you will. And over time, I've gained a lot of confidence. And I feel that um, Latinos today start at a better start of point. So there's just overall more openness and respect to hear all kinds of voices, including the Latino voices, but all sorts of diverse voices. And in particular, this last year, there's been a huge interest in uh, in part of the studios and the networks to bring in diverse voices to the table, as they say, or the room. So people that are going to be writing the stories, telling the stories in narrative, in visual form, and so on. And um, and that has significantly changed. So now there's more of an intention to do this right by bringing in those diverse voices. That has changed a lot in the last 20 years. Yes. Well, thank you, Dr. Diaz. You're so inspiring, and I love talking to you. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and check out the cool stuff we do and the cool people we meet, just like Dr. Diaz. Thank you, guys. Let's take a break. I'm Tiana from Delaware, and you're listening to Kiss First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Sonic Boom, Robot Uprising. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. 
We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Tiana from Delaware, and you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking with media consultant Mariana Diaz-Vianchek, and next up we will be listening to Heather's interview with Goran Visnik from Fatima. I'm such a big fan of yours. Oh, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> so, in Fatima, your character is so mean. Like, can you relate to him in any way? No, I mean, I, uh, he has his own kids in a movie. I have my own kids, you know, and he, he's trying to get something out of these kids. He really believes that they invented the story, that that didn't happen, and he's trying for them to be you know, honest, you know, if your kid does something and you don't believe him and you're trying to get to the bottom of it, what really happened? And sometimes kids just don't budge, you know, they just say, no, that's not what happened, dad. And you're like, oh, <laughs> so I, I could I could have kind of like, uh, you know, live with that kind of exasperation from Arturo that he really doesn't believe them, you know, and until the end, when he actually is there during the miracle, when he witnesses a miracle and he really funny thing is when you go through the historical record after that moment arturo the santos kind of disappears from the from the from the public eye you know he, he retires he's not the mayor anymore so he obviously uh something happened to him that day something he saw changed his view on on the things and everything so uh, that's the only way I can relate to him, you know, but at that time in Portugal, you know, life was really different and he was representative of a government who, is, who was not going along with the church very well, quite contrary. There was a lot of clashing between government and church. So he felt really pressured from Lisbon that he needs to stop the story from spreading and that's how everything happened. And, you know, speaking about the miracle of the sun, had you heard about it before working on Fatima? No, I heard of, I heard of Fatima and I heard of um, what happened there. At, as far as I knew, I, I just knew about that, that Virgin Mary appeared to these kids. And that's about it. I didn't know the details, to be honest with you. So when I read the script, I went into it and I, 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 I did my research and I was like, wow, okay, this is like, it's... Uh, it's getting really, uh, it, it's a big story. It's a very interesting and important story. Yeah, it's really, really big in Portugal, and I didn't know that either. So you have a lot of tense moments with the kids. Were you ever feeling guilty yourself about being so mean to the younger actors? No, my God, they, they had so much fun. Uh, Stephanie and I had a great time. She's really cool. She's, she's such a smart kid. She's a great actress. She just, radiate something you know she 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 has this way of like just natural expression that it's really cool and awesome and 
sometimes we even had problem keeping straight faces during that, that tough scene when we have and I offer them food and I kind of start talking really bad to her. It, 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 immediately we would cut, we would start laughing and kind of like, I would be like, oh my God, if my kids are here now and if they see me, you know, how am I talking to you guys? You know, they would be, dad, come on, you know. So no, we, I, I, I wasn't feeling guilty at all because they, they were, they, they're like grown up enough that they know what's acting and it was, they were really awesome to work with, all three of them. They were really fun. And I can't even tell, like, in the film, because you guys are so pitted against each other. I wouldn't have ever thought that you guys were really good friends. They're, they're good actors, you know. And I'm telling you, as soon as they would say cut, it was like, uh, Marco would say, come on, guys, calm down, please, concentrate, concentrate. You know? <laughs> I mean, I loved you in the show Timeless, and your character Garcia, he starts out as the villain, but then we see that he's a really good guy. Do you think Adur is like that, too? Well, it's a little bit different in, in Timeless and Arturo. I, I wouldn't put them in the same shoes. It's quite different characters, you know, because Arturo was a real guy and it's a historical facts and events and uh, it's a different situation. You know, it's, it's much less, you know, with Garcia Flynn, we're talking about somebody who literally executed his family and he is trying to... You know, you, you've seen the whole show. You, you, yeah. You've seen how the, he gets the diary in the end. It's actually Lucy who finds him. Lucy is the one who actually starts the whole thing. If not for her, he was just running away, basically, and bench right. drinking somewhere in South America. So he literally just escaped, and Lucy is the one who gives him a f hope that he can bring his kids back and everything. So it's quite a different character, you know? And I have to say, I don't want to say my favorite character of all, of all time, but pretty damn close, you know, Garcia Flynn is. I mean, he's such a complex character. And I think to Adu, there's more to him than we actually get to see in the film. Do you think for him, if he, when he was a real person, there would be a redemption? Well, there was an episode um, with uh, Benedict Arnold in first season. He speaks to Lucy and he says to her, when she says, okay, so if we destroyed Rittenhouse, what are you going to do? And he says, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to return the time machine. I'm going to go to see my wife and kids. I would kiss them goodbye and walk away forever. And she's like, why would you do that? I mean, you're doing all of that to bring them back. But he says, I've done some horrible things during all of this, I'm a different person. I wouldn't be able to look my wife and kid in the eye after everything I've done, you know? So that's why in the end then he literally sacrifices his life for everybody because he believes that he's not worth a redemption. Now, is that how it would really stay in the future of the show? I don't know because I don't, I don't think we're gonna see it. You are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we will be talking with comedian consultant Mariana Diaz-Vianchek, Goran Visnik, and Stephanie Gale from Fatima, and director Kim A. Snyder. Right now, we're continuing with Heather's interview with Goran Visnik. For Aduro in his city, would you think he deserves a, a redemption after what he did to the kids? Well, I think so, because he really, he really didn't do something horrible to the kids, you know, like, uh, you even see it in a, in a movie, like, th there was, in certain biographies, you know, they said he puts kids in a, in a prison, he didn't, he put the kids in, it was, it was a basement where they keep wine and prosciuttos and stuff like that, you know, he didn't lock them in jail or something like that with other prisoners or whatever, he just locked her in for like half an hour just, you know, to try to kind of, out of frustration, you know? So it was, it's, it's, more, it's more than when he actually witnessed the miracle, you know, he changed. He, he said to himself, oh my God, you know, something really does exist that I can't understand. You know, there is, there is a higher power that I'm not able to comprehend. And that was, you know, he, after that, he pulled back from public life, you know, he, you can't find him anymore in, in history books after that moment because he, he obviously decided he doesn't want to be in a place of responsibility. First World War also finished. So uh, 
he literally just became like a private citizen. So that was his kind of like redemption. You know, it was like kind of, I'm, I was wrong and I don't want to stay in politics. I don't want to be the guy who runs the place anymore. So he just kind of pulled back. And there's a point in the film where his wife tells him if he's doing it because the president told him to do so, or if he was doing it for himself. What do you think about that? Well, that's, you know, that, that was a good point. You know, we, we, you stopped the scene after that moment. You stopped on his face that he, he wasn't maybe even aware of that, but she pointed it righteously because she's also hitting the wall a little bit because she's telling him, look, man, you're doing a wrong thing. You really need to think about it differently. You know, why are you so afraid of these people in Lisbon? If this is something that's really happening, you know, there's nothing negative about it. You know, there's, it's just a message of love. Why, why do you want to stop it so much? You know, so she's trying to probe him there. You know, they've been together for a while. They know each other. They're good partners, you know. So when she says that to him, that kind of affects him in a way that he starts thinking about it a little bit. But he's a stubborn guy. He's definitely a stubborn guy, you know. I think, I think he was my favorite character out of the whole thing because he was just so complicated. But that's all the time we have. So thank you so much for talking with me. I'm a really big fan, so I can't wait to see what you do next. I'm going to be guest starring in The Boys. It's a bit adultish. I think it's <laughs> rate, rated like R or something, you know. It's, but yeah, I'm going to be on in the second season for about four or five episodes. That's so cool. So I'll see you there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Let's take a break. I'm Tiana from Delaware, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Sonic Boom, Robot Uprising. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Tiana from Delaware, and you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking with Goran Visnik, and next up, we will be listening to Heather's interview with Stephanie Gill from Fatima. So I wanted to know, you're the lead actress in this film. What was it like being the lead in a film filled with seasoned actors? It's really amazing, honestly, because I've never been, not just in, you know, in a movie, being such an important role for the movie. And I was surrounded by brilliant actors and a cast crew. It felt so safe and warm, you know, whenever I went into set and I saw all those familiar faces. It was amazing. Learning experience also. And it was incredible because you have the total power in this film. And what research did you do for this role? So first, when I got cast for the role before, I was really intrigued in it and started researching, you know, more about the apparition step by step. And most importantly, I wanted to go to Marco, the director, directly to, you know, ask him how he wanted to make it, from what point of view. 
and he explained everything to me about how they already filmed the present scenes and the movie was going to be like a flashback of the story and I thought that was really beautiful so from then we just started filming and okay you were you familiar with the story before you knew about the film yes I heard about it I was really little though and when I got cast for it I was like wow I, I was really you know extra into it because uh, my grandma loves the story she already heard of it she was so excited for me when I got cast you know I was excited and I honestly think you were the best person best actor to play Lucia because she has so much power and I can already see how you have that too Thank you. and what were your favorite scenes to film in the movie Probably the apparition scenes with Jorge and Alejandra because we had uh, so much fun in the first one. I remember filming it. We were with the sheep, you know, and there was a real shepherd on set helping us move the sheep because they were like, eh, and we had to move them and, you know, be shepherds. And we were always laughing around. And I also really enjoyed filming the last scene of the movie because the whole cast was there. And... Uh, it was awesome filming that scene for Lucia, you know, because she, it was the only time that she was happy and believed and, you know, with her two mothers, no way I can't, but you know, it was really a beautiful moment. And I really liked the scene, the most violent scene with Lucia. She was telling me about, well, she was telling me about how she filmed it. How did you feel about it? I honestly, I didn't know how to feel because I, I hadn't met Lucia. It was, well, I had met her. It was our first scene together. Right. And I was really nervous. She was probably nervous too, but um, she was really nice to me, honestly. And she was like, I'm not going to touch her. Uh, and then someone just came and sat and helped us, you know, uh, how to, uh, and how to, yeah, right. everything it. And she was just so nice to me. And we got to feel that connection between us because at the beginning, it's more like an emotional scene and it's kind of more tough but we really got to you know be together and feel like mother and daughter you know that vibe that connected us it was good scene it was a good scene so after that we see how much they grow was that something that was difficult for you filming the scenes out of order uh well not really because I previously read the script and knew in what order they came in and actually the first scene I filmed was the first scene in the movie uh, which was really important. I was quite nervous, excited also to go into set and filming because it was the opening scene, of course, and I had to, you know, prepare it well and all that. But the rest was actually good. I didn't have any worries with it, you know. Right. And what do you hope audiences take away from Fatima? I hope that they take away how important it is to have faith and hope in yourself at any moment, at any time, like in the movie, you know, Lucia had to go through so much, but she just kept holding on to her faith and she went through it all and look how it turned out. So never give up and just believe in yourself and have hope. And we actually see that how she never gives up in the film. So how do you relate to her in any way? I feel like, I mean, I'm four years older than Lucia, but when we started filming, I saw how her character was so interesting, you know, and strong. And I think that what connects us is that in the film, there are some scenes that she's got, like, this inner world going on around her. and She sits down to think and to process what has happened. And I do that a lot, too. I just sit down and think to myself, I've got this inner world going on. So that's what we've got, you know, in common. You are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we will be talking with media consultant Mariana Diaz-Vianchek, Gorn Visnik and Stephanie Gill from Fatima, and director Kim A. Snyder. Right now, we're continuing listening to Heather's interview with Stephanie Gill. We really see how much her inner struggle is. Was that difficult for you to find your inner struggle? I mean, I, when I was filming, I wasn't Stephanie. I was Lucia. And Marco helped me a lot to change everything about me to make, you know, someone from 1917, which not 2020, Stephanie, 1917, Lucia. And whenever I was filming, I was like, Stephanie out, Lucia in. And I, obviously that's what helped me to, you know, not connect my real life to her. Just put Lucia in my mind. And the wardrobe and everything, the makeup helped me a lot and the set to feel more related to her 
and to act to be Lucia, you know? And just like you said about the sets and the wardrobe, what was your favorite? Did you like getting dressed up and in the huts and everything? I remember that when we came into set, I came with Alejandro and Jorge most of the days, and we, we listened to music while we were getting dressed because obviously there were so many layers of clothing that it took a while, so we listened to music while we were getting changed, and um, in hair and makeup too, it was just so fun, you know? Yeah, I mean, Alejandro was telling me about how she would steal the food. Would you do that too? No, I remember that there were deers in set sometimes. And me and Jorge went to give the deer some bread. You know, it was really cute because I love animals. And most of the time we were surrounded by animals. And we went to, you know, it was, it was really great. Yeah, it was like really magical. And so when working with these young actors, do you have any like fun stories from set? I've got so many. I, let me, I think I remember one when it was a scene that I don't think made it to the film. They cut it because obviously they had to make some cuts. And we were together. It was a pretty emotional scene. But I remember being with Alejandro and Jorge and hearing the there were baby sheep right next to us in the barn. And we were getting distracted all the time. We were like, ah. And when that scene finished, we just went straight to see the baby sheep. And we were together. And we were always together. We ate together, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner. We were in the same hotel. We came down. Obviously, in the end, they just, it was like they were my little family, you know, my little brother and sister. We, were, we got so close during the filming experience. That's so great. And we see their bond in the film, how strong it is. And yeah. so what was the toughest scene to film? Probably the toughest scene was the last scene, not just because of that, because of everything, you know, uh, technical and, you know, everything around us, the raining scene. It was the longest scene to film, obviously. There were no cuts, so there was a huge, it wasn't actually raining. There was a huge machine above us that had to be turned on and off, and obviously it, you had to, you know, nail it every time as an actor and to make sure that, you know, you get it well and that every job uh, fits well. But honestly, it was, it turned out really good. So all that good work was beautiful, beautifully made. I mean, Joaquin was telling me about that it took a week to film. That's crazy. That's crazy. So thank you so much for talking with me. I can't wait to see how everybody responds to this one. I mean, I loved it. And I loved you in it. You were fantastic. So thank you so much for talking with me, okay? Thank you. Let's take a break. I'm Tian from Delaware. You are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Sonic Boom Robot Uprising. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. 
Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Tiana from Delaware, and you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking with Stephanie Gill. Next up, we will be listening to Natalie's interview with director Kim A. Snyder. Today, I have the pleasure to speak to the wonderful Kim A. Snyder, American filmmaker who directed and produced the 2020 documentary, U.S. Kids. Following the success of your Peabody Award-winning documentary, Newtown, in 2016, you top into the aftermath after a mass shooting. What an honor. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your, I'm sure, busy day to speak with me. First and foremost, congratulations. You have returned to Sundance Film Festival 2020 with another groundbreaking documentary, U.S. Kids. I'm going to make one correction. It's actually, and it's, not, it's, it's called Us Kids, which is... Us kids, funny. apologies. No, no, but you would, you, it's, it's something we've thought about because it also could be, you know, it could be U.S. Kids, but we have called it Us Kids. And the Us Kids came from when, um, it's actually taken from the speech Emma Gonzalez gave right after that mm. shooting where she says, Us Kids, it, there's a line that starts with Us Kids and, and it was <laughs> the idea to take it from that. What is the message of this groundbreaking film? Whoa, well, I think the message is that that your generation and the gen- and the and and a lot of the young people that are depicted on the film have been and and you yourself as you shared have grown up with a lot of trauma from gun violence that's affected you personally and so many others and i thought a lot about a, tra- a nation of traumatized kids that basically that this movement isn't just some kind of theory this is based on people like you who emotionally really have grown up with fear and anger, understandably, and want to do something about it, which is courageous and important. And I wanted to give a voice to you and so many people like you to, um, to just have the world, this country, think a little bit of not only about gun uh, violence prevention, but as, as you well know, your generation is so good at linking things. And now that we've got COVID and we've got Black Lives Matter, it all matters even more. The gun issue even matters more. Um, we know that because communities, black and brown communities are disproportionately affected by gun violence. Hopefully you got that out of the film that we, this mm-hmm. isn't just, this is really not a film about Parkland or a mass shooting. We really tried hard to make it a film about communities across the country and young people that are standing together shoulder to shoulder from Bria in Milwaukee to Emma in Parkland mm-hmm. to make change. And we want, and well, the message is that they, they should continue to, to become leaders, to get involved and to vote. Yes, it is extremely important. And you have shared that throughout this film. It was a profound experience to see how the individuals in the film somehow turned tragedy into something extremely prominent and powerful. I mean, I commend the Parkland survivors for contributing to taking action against gun violence and the epidemic of it to have that we have in the United States. I must say you magnificently captured live expressions of youth advocacy. I mean, turning the rage and ache into immediate action to organizing the March for Our Lives movement, which stretch across the country. Thank you so much. And what is the moment of climax, the moment of highest tension, and what's the solution to the problem is now in sight? That's a fantastic question. I think that the fact that not only were this group of students that started in a bedroom uh, 37 days after experiencing the death of friends, were they able to turn out the largest uh, youth protest in American history that was on five continents globally. The fact that they were then, after that, able to go around the country and gather lots of, 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 of young people like you, students like you, to join forces with them. And then even we went to South Africa where they, you know, we, uh, Desmond Tutu gave them an award for human rights. Um, all of that was amazing. The midterm vote was important because they were able to turn out the highest uh, number, uh, the, the highest level of youth voter turnout for midterms that had happened. And we hope that happens again come November. So that I'd say is the the moment of tension. Will they be able to turn out the vote? And they did. Mm -hmm. 
You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking with media consultant Mariana Diaz-Vianchek, Goran Biznik and Stephanie Gill from Fatima, and director Kim A. Snyder. Right now, we're continuing listening to Natalie's interview with director Kim A. Snyder. A little bit back to when you were speaking more about Emma Gonzalez, I have to say she spread some powerful words throughout this film, and she was so into her emotion. She really shared her personal connection. And just seeing how this aftermath, one of my favorite things I loved about this film is being able to see everyone's um, fight after that tragic situation personally, but then you see how they handle it all together as a group. You know, going to South Africa to receive an award, spreading the word across five different nations, that is amazing. And Emma Gonzalez, she calls BS and she did it proudly. So I am so glad that I got to see this film because it, I knew about this tragic appearance at, at Majory Stoneman Douglas High School, but I didn't know how it affected them personally. And getting to see this film really showed me the insight of the aftermath, what they're doing on a daily now, and how has it affected their personality. Um, it, it's just pretty crazy. And depth of feeling is what makes a film watchworthy. You know, of the many feelings expressed in this film, which are you most familiar with? Wow, your questions are good. Um, <laughs> Thank well, you. Um, the emotional part. I related to um, to Sam's trauma. I related to um, anger, and I related to hope. I mean, that string of emotions of feeling when 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 things happen that are unjust and devastating. Um, it was very poignant to me that they really did go and fight in the name of their fallen friends. That was a show of loyalty and of respect. And I feel that out of that came action through, through, through anger. Anger is a, a very productive emotion when you use it wisely. And, um, you know, it's, it's inspired movements that have been led by young people, you know, for, you know, since the age of time. And certainly we think of the civil rights movement as being fueled by that. So it was that and out of that comes, comes the hope. Um, the hope for a better tomorrow and that I think more than anything, I mean, the March for Our Lives kids, you know, have an Our Power. Um, that's the, the, one of their, their um, sub-programs, Our Power. And it's, Emma talks about it as sort of realizing that you have power. Lastly, um, moving forward, I want to see gun violence end. And if we're going to end this, we need to come together. We need to get advice from our generation of youth. So do you have any advice for our generation of youth to get involved to make a difference? Yeah, I think if you listen to the words of people like Emma Gonzalez, David Hogg, um, we need to, you need to instruct. It's about conversations with your elders, meaning it has to start with you guys. This isn't about the older generation tell the younger people, it worked that way with a lot of things. There was a time when no one cared about recycling, right? And that that wasn't good for the earth. You need to have conversations that maybe you get frustrated with someone in your family. The same way in our film, you see them patiently talking to these guys in Texas who are wielding AR-15s. Have conversations that are, that are civil and Use your debate skills like they did and um, for sensible gun laws and try to, um, you know, in the film, you see Jackie Corin, who is a co-founder. Her father was not in favor of her running down the street that night and getting part of this movement. And then he turned. He, 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 he understood that she was right. Um, so I think it's having conversations generationally with your parents, with your grandparents. That's one thing mm-hmm. that comes to mind. I know a lot of this has been like, you know, this is four kids and you guys messed up and a lot of it is true. But I think those conversations are important that we work together. We, we all have to be at the table to make this work. We yes. all have to vote. And I think, let me think of what else in terms of volunteering, getting involved in local chapters. Right now, March for Our Lives, I believe, has well over 300 chapters find like-minded people. And as you think about coming of voting age, for those who are a little bit older, think about it more of the policies that you believe in. Um, I think a lot of young people are truly, I mean, not just young people, are truly sick of the bipartisan, it's like being in a divorced family in this country right now. Mm -hmm. It's not fun. And so 
it's like looking at policies and just what David says, we're just looking for morally just leaders. You know, we're looking for people to make our schools or our churches safer or our neighborhoods. And we don't really care what, you know, what political color you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, so there's that. And there's the aspiration to get Uh, become engaged and um, have aspirations to run. One of the young men from March for Our Lives was the youngest uh, in Houston, youngest uh, person ever to run for, um, you know, um, city council. Um, So running for offices and getting young people in positions of power, I am completely behind that. We need more diversity, not just diversity with black and brown communities, but we need diversity in age. Yes, I totally agree with you. I mean, just like you said, not just diversity in color, but just an age, sharing that information with your great-grandparents, your grandparents, and informing them about the situations that are still happening in present time in 2020. We want you guys to, this is your film. This is a film mm-hmm. for all young people. You should run with it. Tell people, and that's, that's a call to action. Tell people if you found it powerful the way you did. Um, share, you know, share that it's coming soon. And that way we can uh, get it out virtually to every kid in America that wants to see it. Yes, everyone, you heard her. It is time to go to their website and you guys get to see this empowering, inspirational and wonderful film. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. I mean, today I got the opportunity to speak with Kim A. Snyder, American filmmaker who directed the 2020 documentary, Us Kids. Bye. Bye, thanks so much, Natalia. Thanks so much for joining us. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on Press for Kids, kidsworld.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Sonic Boom Robot Uprising. I'm Tian from Delaware reporting for Kids First. Happy Labor Day. Goodbye. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode, and tune in again next week.